In the middle of the, uh, in this week's parsha, we have the parsha Samayades, which relates the, all the karbonis that were brought on the Yom Tevim. It starts from Pesach, goes on to Oimer, then goes on to Shvuas, which has with it a Mincha Chadosha, the Mincha that was brought from the new crop of wheat. Then it goes on to um, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, and Shemini Atzeres. In the middle, right after Shvuas, it says, And when you harvest your field, you shouldn't harvest the corner of the field. And uh, so it tells us the mitzvah of peya and leket. Leket means that when you collect, when you're bringing, gathering the stalks, if a stalk falls, you shouldn't pick up a single stalk or two stalks. You should leave it for the poor people. Then it goes on to give the mitzvahs of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, and Shemini Atzeres. So the Mepharshim asks, what is the, why did the Torah insert the laws of Peya and Leket in the middle of the, the Karbonus of the Yom Tevet? And so different people give different answers. The Ebenezer says that since he's talking about the harvest connected with the Karbon Oimer and the Karbon of, uh, of Mincha Chadasha, so he tells you laws connected with the harvest. The Ramban and others explain that since the, uh, you might think that since there is mitzvahs associated with the harvest, when you harvest the Oimer and you harvest the Mincha Chadasha, don't think that that's the only mitzvahs that there are associated with it. The Torah tells you that there are other mitzvahs even in these fields from which you cut the Oimer carbon or the Mincha Chadasha carbon, you still have to leave Peya and Leket, and that's why it's said over here. Rashi gives a different explanation. He says, Amar Vardimas, Vardimas said, the son of Rabbi Yaisi, why did the Pasik put in the middle of the Yom Tevim between Natseris, Pesach, and Shvuas on one side, and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur on the other side? He put in these, the mitzvah of Leket and uh, Peya to teach you that anyone that gives Leket, Shikha, and Peya to the poor person properly, it's that the Pasuk considers it as if he built the Beis Amigdash and he brought Karbonus on it. That's why it's said in the context of the Karbonus of the Yom Tevim. So we have to understand, why does Rashi choose a drush, something which fits more into Medrash, rather than a simple, a straightforward explanation, as the, let's say the Ebenezer says, that it's here because he's talking about harvest, so he brings you the mitzvahs of harvest. So that you shouldn't forget that there are the mitzvah of harvesting, that you should leave the gifts for the poor. So to understand it, let's first understand, see what Rashi says, and uh, explain, understand what Rashi is saying altogether. So there's a few questions that have to be asked about this Rashi. Rashi doesn't begin with Ravavardimas. First he says, and when you harvest, and he says, the reason the Torah repeated the, um, the mitzvah of Leket and Peya, which he only mentioned um, last parsha in Parsha Kedoshim, is because now you will, if somebody violates it, they violate it twice. There's two lavim associated with it. And then he goes on to explain why it's uh, written here, amongst the Yom Tevin. So the question is, since these are two completely unrelated explanations, why does Rashi put them into the same Rashi? Usually he would put one explanation, say again, and give the drush that Rav Avardama said. 
but some, if he puts it together in the same one, it seems that they're related to each other, but they don't seem to be, so we have to understand that. Also, we have to understand when Rashi names, quotes the name of the person that said it, Rabbi Vardimus, it's because that can teach us something as well, so we have to understand what that is. Also, why Rashi gives such detail. He's, it's Pesach and Shavuos on one side, and the Rosh Hashanah and Kippur and Sukkot on the other side. Why didn't he just say, he inserted it in the middle of the Yom Tevim without telling us that it's Pesach and, and Shavuos on this side. That seems to be um, more than needs to be said. Another thing is that Rashi adds over here, Shikha, in the Pasuk, in our Pasuk, it only talks about Leket and Peya. But Rashi adds that it also, when you, if you give Leket, Shikha and Peya properly, then it's as if you built a base of Midrash. But in our Pasuk, it doesn't talk about Shikha. And even though Rav Avardimus does say Shikha, but Rashi doesn't always have to quote the full saying of when he, when he quotes from a Teres or from a Medrash or wherever he brings it from. He only chooses the words which pertain to Shudosh Mikra. And here he adds Shikha. And the interesting thing is that over there he does he adds Shikha and Maiser Oni. Rashi leaves out Maiser Oni even though there it is written in the Teres and he only chooses shikha, so we have to understand why he left this out, but put this in. Also, the, the fact that Rashi changes from the way it's written in Teres Kayanim, over there it says, for instance, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur on this side, and it doesn't say anything about Sukkot. Rashi adds Chag, Sukkot as well. Another thing is, over there it says that anyone is willing to part with these gifts, it's as if he... Um, if the Beis was in his, was there in his time and he brought Karbanas. Rashi says that if he gave the gifts in a proper way, it's as if he built the Beis Amigdash and brought Karbanas. So he makes two changes. One is that not that he parted with the gifts, but that he gave it in a proper way, and also that he built the Beis Amigdash, not as if the Beis Amigdash was standing in his time. Then Rashi says the next Rashi. It says, Tazav, you shall leave it for the poor people. So he says, Hanach lifneim, leave it for them, and they will gather it, and you shouldn't help anyone gather it. You should leave it up to them to gather. So the question is asked, why does Rashi explain Tazav over here, when Tazav is written already back in Ketoshim, over there he didn't explain anything about it. Here he suddenly explains it. Why does he leave it to now, rather than explaining it the first time that it appears? So now to explain it. Rashi doesn't have the question why in the middle of the Yom Tevim you have the mitzvah of Leket and Peya. Why doesn't he have the question? Because it seems logical. The Torah says, when you come to Eretz Yisrael and when you will harvest your, the, the harvest, you should give the carbon Oymer. And then it says you should bring the Mincha Chadasha, which is from the new crop, you should bring a carbon Mincha, which is brought on Shavuos. And only then I, can you use, start using the... Uh, your, your crop for yourself. That's only after the Oymer, but, but still the Shavuos one has to come from the new crop. So therefore, it seems logical that the Torah would say, and by the way, when you harvest, you should also leave the gifts for the poor. Makes perfect sense. There's no reason to address this from Shudosh Mikra. What does bother Rashi is that in Parshik Deshen, we already had the mitzvah of Leket and Peya. So why does the Torah once again repeat it? What's the point of repeating it again? And if it's because, you know, when you talk about harvest, you have to remind us again about the mitzvah, as the, as the Ebenezer says, so then in, the in Parshagadeshim it also talks about the peret and the oilulis, which is 
the same idea as Peya and Leket, but in a vineyard, in regards to a vineyard, so why doesn't he repeat it over here too? If he has to remind us, why doesn't he put that in his, uh, over here as well as a second time? So therefore, the Rashi doesn't accept that the Torah needs to remind us of a mitzvah. We don't find by, by most other mitzvahs that the Torah needs to remind us, even when the season comes. The Torah tells it to us once, and we, and we have to do it. So why suddenly here does he repeat it again? That's why Rashi says that the reason he repeats it again is in order to make two lavim out of it. And you should, of course, everybody's going to ask, why this mitzvah has to have two lavim? Why not all other, many other mitzvahs? That isn't a question. We don't know why the Eivishter decides to make two, some mitzvahs have two lavim and some others. It's not a question that can be asked in Pshudosh Mikra. It's not up to us to decide why it's so. This is how Hashem decided. Now that Rashi has answered why it's written the second time, now he comes to the question, why is it brought here in the middle of the Yom If this was the first time that the mitzvah comes up, Leket and Peya, it would make sense. It talked about harvest, so tell us the mitzvah of harvest. But we know the mitzvah of Leket and Peya already. So why does he have to bring it into the middle of the context of talking about Karbonus? This is a place of Karbonus. It's not a place of talking about agricultural law. Why didn't he repeat it somewhere where he talks about agricultural law? In order to emphasize that, Rashi says, here in the middle, on one side it talks about Pesach and Shavuos. On the other side it talks about Roshani Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Meaning to say that this is the context of Karbonus of the Yom Tevin. Why are we talking about uh, repeating the mitzvah of Leket and Peah here? Why here? To this he answers because it belongs here because the Torah is trying to compare giving the proper gifts to an, an Ani, to a poor person, to the building of the Beis Midrash and bringing Karbonus. That's why it's written in the context of the Karbonus to teach us that it's related to the Karbonus. Why is it related to Karbonus? What is a carbon? A carbon means you take something of your own, an animal of your own or some other object, thing of your own, and you give it as a gift to Hashem. It has to be your, belong to you. It's not something that you took from someone else. So it's parting of something that belongs to you, which is very similar to the idea of what staka is, of what giving pay and like it is. It's to give something that belongs to you to the poor person because this is what Hashem told you to do. So there is a relationship between the two. And you might say, but that's true for all stucker, not just about Leket and Peya. So then maybe any stucker that you give should be compared to the building of the Beis Hamikdash and bringing Karbonus. The answer is, by regular stucker, not always is the money that you have, come, does it come to you by a lot of toil and effort. It's sometimes you make a good business deal, which you didn't even put in a lot of effort. You find something, you give stucker from that. Uh, somebody inherits from his father or whatever, so he, get, he didn't do anything for it and he, he gives stucker from that. But when it comes to agricultural law, you have to work very hard in order to produce the wheat that grows in your field. You have to plow and you have to sow and you have to reap, harvest, and the, so many different things that have to be done which take a lot of effort. That is difficult to part with. So therefore, that can be compared more to the great effort that you put in and therefore it's as if you built the Beis Amigdash. Now there are two ways in looking at a person that gives Leket and Peya. One is, he parts with something that belongs to him. 
So there, the focus is on the fact that he parted with, and it's not so important how you give it to the, how it ends up by the poor man. You parted with it. That's the, the focus. That's the emphasis. There's another way of looking at it, which is, he gave it, you give it to the Oni, to the poor person, as Rashi says, karoi, in an appropriate way, in the most perfect way. You give it to him in the most perfect way. That's the focus, the way you give it to the person that's getting it. And that's the difference between the way it's written, Ravavardamus' uh, uh, explanation is given in Teres Kainim and the way that Rashi quotes it. In the Teres Kainim, the focus is on you parted with something that belonged to you, something that you worked very hard to produce. As the, the, uh, the Teres Kainim says, Maitzi, that he parted with it. The focus is on parted with it. And that's why over there it says also Shikha and Maiser Oni. Because shikha, if you forgot a bundle in the field, and maiser oni, which is what you give to the poor person, 10% of what you have, that is exactly the same from the, par- from the perspective of parting with it. It's the same exact thing as leket and peya. It's something you worked very hard for, and you're giving it to, the, to a poor man. You have to part with it. Whereas Rashi puts the emphasis on Noisin Laani Karoi, he gives it to the poor person in a perfect way. That's why he doesn't add Maiser Oni. He does add Shikha because Shikha is the exact same thing as Leket and Peya in regards to this issue, as we'll explain. And but Maiser Oni is different than that. How so? Leket, Shikha, and Peya all come in a way that you have to leave it for the poor people to collect on their own. You have no right to give it to a certain poor person. Let's say you have a relative. You can't give it to the relative. You leave it in the field. Anyone that wants can come and take it. My sir, Ani, you have the right to give it whatever poor, poor person you want. So therefore it lacks a certain commitment. It lacks a certain perfection of giving of you know transferring it to the Oni because you get to at least choose who you give it to whereas the other three and that's why Rashi quotes all those three but not Maeser Oni the giving is perfect you don't even have the benefit of giving it to somebody that you choose to it's a perfect giving of a gift and when you give that kind of a perfect gift that's when it's considered as if you built the Besamikdash and brought Karbonus the question could still be asked, why doesn't, the, why doesn't Rashi add also Eilulis, the, the mitzvahs of the uh, vineyard, which Eilulis over there, it's the, the same exact as Leket and Peya, only in a vineyard. Why doesn't he bring that too? That is also a perfect gift. And the answer is, that's why Rashi says, he adds the word Vachag, uh, even though the Torah's Kenim doesn't say it, because Chag teaches, Rashi is alluding to the fact that we are still talking in the time of Shavuos, before Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, certainly before Sukkot, the vineyard only comes, um, you know, ripens around Sukkot time. So we're not, it's not yet the time of the, of the vineyard, and therefore, at this time, the title doesn't mention the, uh, that's why at this time, it's, we're not talking yet about the, the vineyard. Another reason that could be explained about why Rashi doesn't say Maiser Oni and Leket and and sorry and Oilulis and Peret and Oilulis is because Maiser um, Oni only comes once in three years, so it's not doesn't have that same perfect giving as something that comes every single year. And the and the reason he doesn't bring the vineyard is because when you give 
wheat. Wheat is something that is essential to the human condition. You have to, everybody needs wheat. Everybody needs bread. But grapes is something that you don't live by grapes, and therefore it's also secondary. And parting with it, giving it, is not doesn't have that same impact. And the, about which we can say it's as if you built the base amigdash. Which explains why Rashi now explains that you should leave it for them, meaning that you don't have the right to share it with them. Rashi is saying that these words here explain the context of why it's written in the middle of the Karbonus in order to bring out the point that it's as if you built the Beis Amidus because it adds this dimension too that you don't have the right to share it with whatever poor man you want. You have to leave it there and they have to take it. That brings out this point as we said, that it's such a great gift, such a perfect gift, that it's as if you built the Beis Amigdash. Whereas the first time around, there was no need for Rashi to explain it at all, because over there, it's just simply explaining the idea, why is it that you're leaving the corner uncut? Why, what's the purpose of it? So the Torah says, it's there so that the poor people can gather it. There's nothing for Rashi to explain there. But over here, when the Torah repeats it, the question is, why is it repeated in this context? That's a detail that doesn't seem to need to be here. So Rashi says it does need to be here because that's what brings out the perfection of the gift of Leket and Shikha and Peya for which you're rewarded that is as if you built a Beis Amigdash. But the student could still ask, in the end we're talking about minor gifts. The Peya can be one stalk of, uh, of wheat. Leket and Shikha could also be a few stalks. Why is there such a big deal made of a few stalks of wheat? What's the big deal? And it might be true that you don't get to choose who to give it to, but we're talking still about minor gifts. So why, why is it considered to be so essential that it's compared to building the Beis Amigdash? That is answered by the story that's told about Rav Avardimus. There was a certain Jew, Yehudi, Yehuda Ish Hutzi, that had a problem with the question, there's a halacha that says that when the people in the city have a certain amount of, of water, let's say, and, and, and if you, there's a shortage of water, they should give it to the people of their city. The people of their city come first, not the cities nearby. So he had trouble comprehending this. Why should it be so? And he went away for three days to contemplate it, and he couldn't come up with an answer. So he came to Rabbi Yossi and he asked him, what's the reason you said this? So Rabbi Yossi called his son, Rabbi Vardimus, and he said, explain it to him. And Rabbi Vardimus ex- uh, quoted a pasuk in Yeshua, which says, these cities shall be they should be city by city and then the, uh, the surrounding areas, which talks about how to divide that's Israel, I think. But uh, he said that the word tihiyena, they shall be, should be read tihiyena, they shall live, meaning this city gets to live before the next city from its own assets. And then it goes, you know, city by city, each city, uh, they, they come first in regards to their own assets. So he proved the point to him question is, why did Rabbi Yaisi call Rav Avardimus? Why didn't he just tell him the explanation himself? It was Rabbi Yaisi's halacha. He certainly had the answer. The answer must be because this must have been something that was very special to Rav Avardimus. This was his passion. This was the area in which he excelled in Limadatayra on this subject. And that's why Rabbi Yaisi wanted him to answer the, to answer the question. So in other words, Rabbi Vardimus was of the opinion, he was the one that understood perfectly that the Torah does give a hierarchy, does say that the people close to you should be first for your tzedakah, for your share, for your giving. 
So then, when it comes to Leket and Peya, all of a sudden the Torah says, no, not even the Torah's rationale that the people close to you come first should be applied. Over here you have to completely give up control and you let anyone come and, and give it. So it's Rabbi Vardimus that brings out what's so special about this that it should be compared to building the Beis Amigdosh, that even Torah's logic is suspended for this mitzvah and everyone gets to take it. That's how much you have to give up to make it into a perfect gift. The Rebbe text concludes with the lesson that even a small gift of which we talk about, a few stalks, also have to be given in the most perfect way. Even that small mitzvah, it would, would seem, it does, what does it accomplish already? It should be done with great passion and with perfection. On the other hand, you have to, even in such an area, you have to also be able to subdue your Yitzhahara. That even those things which would seem to make sense, even according to Torah, but the Torah says differently this time, so you have to subdue the Yitzhahara. And from as if you built the Beis Amigdash, it should come to actually building the Beis Amigdash, the Meher of